Hey, Scott, it's time for another score show. Really? What kind of empty, boring, lifeless, athematic, amelotic dreck are we listening to this time? This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Glenn Butler Podcast, Our Spectacular, where we are continuing and finishing our coverage of the scores of the Star Wars franchise. Because our discussion of The Rise of Skywalker, the film, ran a little long, we decided that the first segment of this show would be our proper review of John Williams' score for The Rise of Skywalker. Scott... I don't know how much of a non-spoiler section we can really do just on the score, but just to be brief, did you like it? Did you not like it? What do you think were its strengths and weaknesses? Overall, I was not a fan. There are good parts, there are good moments, but it's kind of bad in all of the ways that The Last Jedi is kind of bad. It's just very unfocused. It skips from thing to thing to thing, from theme to theme to theme, from independent piece to independent piece to independent piece, and it doesn't stay on anything long enough to, like, really give it a focus or let it develop or let it just sit in the audience's mind. It just, it doesn't keep its focus on any one thing long enough for my taste. So while there are good moments in the score, overall, I found it to be a disappointment. I definitely see a lot of your points about this score, and we'll get into a lot of them in a few minutes, I think. Overall, my reaction to the Rise of Skywalker score was much more positive than The Last Jedi, for instance. Even though it has some of the same weaknesses, I think it has a lot of energy. I think there are some exciting pieces. I think there are some interesting pieces that we'll talk about again a little later. 
And one of the main new themes I really, really have come to adore just in a couple of weeks. So I was a little more positive on it. I see a lot of the detractions, and if you want to talk about pieces that will live on in the concert program and the overall franchise, which we'll also be talking about a little later, there are a couple, or a few maybe, but that was going to be a little hard regardless doing the ninth score for Williams in, in this franchise, and so I think that while it has a lot of the same weaknesses of The Last Jedi... And while it has a lot of the same weaknesses of many more recent Williams scores, I think it has a little bit of that spark that you need for Star Wars that I was missing from a lot of The Last Jedi in particular. So overall, I'm a little more positive about it. So let's get right into it. I can't imagine, dear listeners, that you would be listening to this without having seen the film, but please, we will be discussing the whole thing in the context of the score now. What did the non-spoiler section last, like a minute and a half? <laughs> so, in terms of our experiences first hearing this score, we were in a bit of a unique circumstance because the Oscar promo was actually released online before the soundtrack album came out and several days before the movie came out, which I'm not sure that I've seen before, especially with something as high-profile as Star Wars. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It was only up for like a few hours, I think, before they took it back down. But I mean, it's the internet, so everyone had it everywhere. Exactly. Everything on the internet lives forever. When I listened to that Oscar promo, my first impression was, wow, there is an absolutely stunning dearth of themes and thematic material. And I tried to console myself by pointing out to myself that this is the Oscar promo they would have edited out all of the parts with themes to comply with the Oscars weird rule that you can't use themes. And uh, then when I listened to the full score, eh, it wasn't exactly that much better. I don't think in this circumstance that the Oscar promo is okay. <clears throat> I don't think it's okay either. <laughs> I don't think, in this case, that either the Oscar promo nor the soundtrack album is the best representation of this score. I think you need some elements of both. The soundtrack album obviously has the concert suite of two of the new, big, heroic, sweeping themes for this film, which couldn't have gone on the Oscar promo. And there are some tracks on the Oscar promo that I think are pretty important that didn't get onto the soundtrack album, so I think... You know, you need to kind of mix and match and roll your own a little bit. But before we get into some of those particulars, let's talk about some of the new themes, such as there are in this film. On the soundtrack album, the track The Rise of Skywalker is the concert suite for the two main sweeping heroic themes. There's one that has generally, by the internet, been assigned to the trio of Poe, Finn, and Rey, and the other one, which I think is colloquially called the Rise theme, just because, you know, we don't have a particular name for it, I suppose. They're both interestingly built on elements of Rey's theme. There are times in this score where Williams is really kind of playing with Ray's theme and kind of taking it apart and, again, using different elements of it. The trio theme, this big, bold, rising melody. Mm -hmm. 
while the Rise theme is much more propulsive, it creates momentum in some of the same ways that Ray's theme does. The function of these themes, however, I think is probably going to be one of your points, isn't it? Well, I would say the same thing about a trio theme that I said about Luke and Leia. Why do we need a separate theme for that? Why do we need a new theme in the third movie to signify the relationship of these three characters? We already have character themes for them. Why can't we just use those? You know, play them off each other, mix them into each other. Why do we need an entire new theme to take on that aspect? The other thing I would say is that I've been listening to these scores, like, since the week before the movie opened, when the Oscar promo first leaked. I still can't reliably tell these two themes apart. Like, if I play them one after the other, you know, there's an obvious difference between them, but if one of them comes up, I can't tell which it is. They're not distinct enough in my mind for me to tell them apart when they come up in the score. And I don't know if that's a deficiency in me or a deficiency in the music. But I mean, it's easy enough to tell the difference between Luke's theme and the Imperial March. Also, I would disagree with your description of these themes as epic or heroic. They both sound very out of place in this score. Butting up against the Force theme and the Imperial March and the Kylo material and even the occasional glimpses of Ray's theme and Poe's theme. There's just something about these themes, the way they're instrumented, that it just feels very stylistically different from the rest of the music. The, um, I don't know which theme is which, but the one theme is even more stylistically different. The one they play at, like, heroic moments is a little better. They sort of play with that a little more. They change the instrumentation a little more. And so it sounds better in particular scenes, although still sort of out of step with the rest of the score, I think. See, I don't think that they sound that out of place compared to some of the other themes in the Star Wars canon that are more sweeping in that way, like Luke and Leia, frankly, or some elements of the prequels love theme. I think there are not melodic similarities per se, but... Some of those more mature, more sweeping themes kind of feel in the same environment to me. And I think the Rise theme in particular fits in with that sort of emotion and, and the things that some of those themes are conveying. The new themes don't get all that much room in this film, in part because, like you said, we are moving between different things so very often. 
And also, the Rise theme, I think, stands for hope in the galaxy, generally. When we were talking about the movie in our last episode, we talked about some of the inspiring, hopeful things that the movie is trying to do, especially with Lando gathering the whole fleet and, and everyone coming together by the end of the movie. And in terms of the thematic use in the movie as we've received it, the epic heroic moments, or the moments that are supposed to be epic and heroic, will get any of several heroic themes that are available. It might get Luke's theme, or it might get the new Rise theme, or it might get Yoda's theme. Or it might get Poe's theme. It'll probably get the Force theme. They seem to use that for fucking everything now. <laughs> well... And the problem is that they never focus on any of those themes. The reunion track at the end, where they all go back to the Resistance base after defeating the Star Destroyer fleet, it goes from Luke's theme, to the Force theme, to Poe's theme, to Yoda's theme, B theme, before playing Yoda's theme, A theme, and then Rey's theme, and then the Luke and Leia theme, even though neither of them is in the scene, but then again, neither is Yoda. And then it ends it with one of the new themes, I guess the trio theme, since the trio is there. Is that the trio theme in that scene? But the point is, it whips through about eight themes in like three minutes. So like, nothing dwells, nothing builds, nothing develops. It's just a quick hit of this, and a quick hit of that, and a quick hit of the other, and a quick hit of something else, and that's not how you build a good score. That's not how Williams built any of the original trilogy scores. That's not how Williams built the Force Awakens score. It is a bit of a quandary, isn't it? I wonder, given the way some things are structured on the album and the way some things are structured on the Oscar promo, just how much of this was adjusted and rejiggered and moved around during editing and reshoots and all of the post-production process. Which isn't... <sighs> I mean, these things happen on every movie. Reshoots happen on every movie. Extensive editing happens on every movie, right? So, it's a fact of life when you're scoring these blockbusters. Yeah, but not every score gets examined the way a John Williams Star Wars score does. Well, true. If this was just, you know, Junkie XL putting in a thrumming bass line under the whole thing, the editing wouldn't stand out. Yeah, and if this was some composer that only you had ever heard of doing a movie that made $20 million in its theatrical run, nobody would care how the music got edited between the scoring stage and the theater screen. And of course, if so many of these themes weren't from 30 years ago and themes that we had been listening to for almost our entire lives, then the exact use of them wouldn't carry so much significance for us. You know, if we didn't have the emotional connection that we do to Yoda's theme through repetition, if nothing else, then when it came up, our prevailing thought would be, hey, a happy theme. Because the characters are happy. I mean, that's almost what it feels like at times. And that's a very modern way of scoring movies. I mean, the sort of, the model of the original trilogy where you write a coherent piece of music that underscores a part of the movie is sort of not the way a lot of people are doing it now. I mean, we've done enough Oscar shows to demonstrate that, especially enough fucking Zimmer scores. 
you know, writing a complete, coherent, listenable, good piece of music and then putting it under the movie is sort of old-fashioned. The way they do it now is to customize each piece of music specifically for the particular bit or even the particular frame that it's underscoring. And that's kind of what it feels like they're doing in places. That's why all these themes are played for 10 or 15 or 20 seconds, rather than for the entirety of a 3-minute or 4-minute or 5-minute track. The style that I'm looking for is sort of old-fashioned, but it's the style of Star Wars because Star Wars is 40 friggin' years old. Well, because Star Wars is 40 years old and it was drawing on a scoring style from a couple of decades before that, which was drawing on the classical style from decades before that, you know, a lot of this is 19th century romanticism with modernist touches in places, but still. We're going to cover this a little bit in our wrap-up of the series as a whole, but like, just so that we're not relentlessly negative on this, what did you think were some, like, standout tracks on this score? Like, what are the tracks that you're going to remember after we're finished recording this show? Well, the concert suite, for one thing, I think is very well put together and very engaging. I quite like both of the new themes, and I think the arrangement is moving. The speeder chase cue from the soundtrack album, I think, is one last Williams set piece for this franchise. I think that slots in magnificently in this score. It didn't really make it into the movie, which I suppose is neither here nor there, but it has one of those scene-specific and set-piece-specific little melodies that gets played with a little bit for the set piece. And as one last kind of rousing piece, I think it works on the album really, really well. One reason that I said earlier that neither the soundtrack album nor the Oscar promo is the best representation of this score is that the two of them have to be combined in some ways to really show the things that Williams is doing with Kylo Ren's theme in this score. I think some of that toward the end of the score is very, very interesting. Obviously, when we did our episode about the movie, I talked about my feelings about the Bendemption rather extensively. But the way that Williams kind of turns Kylo Ren's theme inside out, turns it into a major mode melody, and plays around with that a little on the Oscar promo, the tracks Parents and Coming Together...
One of the reasons that I think, actually, that a lot of this must have changed extensively after Williams scored it was because, what does the title parents refer to, do you think? Well, you sent me a track list that interleaves the promo and the CD into like a master track list that is also in film order and not whatever cockamamie order they put stuff on the CD. And according to that list, the parents' track comes after Ray arrives at Exegol, but before the final showdown with Palpatine, where she hears the voices of all the other Jedi. And I don't know what happens in between there that would get the title parents, unless it's a deleted scene. That's one reason why I think a lot must have changed after Williams wrote that piece in particular, because in the movie, part of that cue with the major mode version of Kylo Ren's theme is used when he arrives at Exegol and is kind of walking through the Sith Temple right before his confrontation with the Knights of Ren. Which, I mean, it works okay in the movie because he's acting heroic by then, but listening to the cue on its own, maybe I'm over-interpreting the impressions that I got listening to a piece of music on its own merits, but the impression that I got was that it must have originally been for a more extended, involved scene where the bendemption happened. One of the things that I said when we were talking about the movie was that the moment where he decides that he's going in for the Bendemption wasn't really conveyed adequately, and I wonder if there was something there that maybe that piece could have originally been meant for. Are you talking about something that was cut from the movie, or something that was an earlier idea that was eventually replaced with the Han Solo scene? I'm really not sure. I mean, we know that there were more scenes with archival footage of Carrie Fisher that they decided just didn't work, which makes it kind of amazing that they kept the ones that actually got into the movie, but we shouldn't spend this whole section just complaining about the movie. So, I don't know if maybe there might have been something there. Maybe they might have tried to insert her into the Harrison Ford scene. I'm completely making stuff up and speculating now, but I just got the impression that there was something more there. I mean, at the very least, the track title makes no sense given where it's placed in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I also appreciated some of the variations on Ray's theme throughout the film. Ray's theme. Even in The Last Jedi, which we discussed previously, and even in this score, which obviously you were a little disappointed with, Ray's theme is often a focus, and it's a highlight whenever it does come up because the theme itself, just on its own merits, again, is so, so good. There are some interesting variations in this score, I feel. There's one that didn't make its way onto the Oscar promo or the soundtrack album toward the beginning of the movie when Ray is running the obstacle course, and there's this great swashbuckling, action-y version of her theme, which was really refreshing. And then at the end of the film, when Ray arrives at Luke's home on Tatooine and is burying the lightsabers, that scene almost has a deconstruction of Ray's theme, where the different elements of it kind of come apart and their order is kind of alternated from some of the more common sequence.
So that I thought was interesting, and that I thought was a very intelligent use of that theme. They're short variations and short uses, but I think they are interesting. See, that's my main problem with it, is that they're all so short. I mean, there's some interesting stuff going on, but it's like a brief burst of interesting stuff. You know, if they played with that theme for a while, like they do in, like, The Scavenger from Force Awakens, or from, like, three other tracks in Force Awakens, if they just, like, let it develop over the course of an entire track rather than giving you, like, a 30-second hit, there's just so much more they could have done with it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Plus, it would also give the scene more of a focus. You know, the score, in addition to just, like, being awesome to listen to, the score is supposed to tell the audience how to watch the movie. When you underscore a scene with Ray's theme, you're telling the audience, Ray is who you want to pay attention to here. Too much of this score doesn't do that. All this score tells the audience is, be excited now. Right, well... I mean, ideally, you would get you a composer who can do both. <laughs> that composer is John Williams, circa 1977 to 83. <laughs> right. And apparently for one brief shining moment in 2015. <laughs> Seriously, in retrospect, the resurrection of John Williams for The Force Awakens and only for The Force Awakens is a more amazing feat than the resurrection of the Emperor. There are actually some pretty fresh variations on the Emperor's theme in this movie, too. Amazingly, considering there weren't any in the prequels. That is true. It does get a lot more... I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it development. It gets a lot more variation. There's like a really fast version of it in the track Falcon Flight, which I'm not 100% sure is in the movie. I don't think I remember it. That quick version of the Emperor's theme is for the TIE Fighters when they first start pursuing the Falcon at the beginning of the movie. Really? They don't just use the Imperial theme there? No. I didn't notice that either the time we saw the movie. I did notice that on opening night, because that was, I think, directly after the scene with Kylo and the Emperor, and it seemed... I don't want to say odd, but it seemed notable to me that directly after that scene, the First Order pursuing the Falcon is immediately scored with the Emperor's theme. Like, that connection is immediately made in the music. We should mention, you know, while we're talking about edits and everything, we should mention that there were parts of this score that were also tracked from other scores. Like, you sent me a list where somebody broke down, like, the entire movie and where each piece of music comes from, and there's a lot of it, you know, this two minutes is from this track on the Oscar promo, and then the next 36 seconds is from this track on the CD, and then the following 43 seconds is from this other track on the Oscar promo, but then there's also sections where it's like, this one minute and 21 seconds is from The Force Awakens, and this next two minutes is from this Last Jedi track. And 
when Rey first gets to the throne room on the Death Star, they track in Darth Vader's death from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, the first time we saw the movie, I actually wasn't sure that it was tracked. I thought it might have been a new performance because the order of so many elements of that piece is kind of jumbled around. It is. It's like remixed a little, yeah. It's extensively remixed. When we saw the movie again, I paid particular attention to that, and you can hear in the particular sound of the strings, compared to the rest of the score, the way the score is mixed in the film, it's definitely the original recording, I think. So that was maybe an odd choice. I mean, again, as mood music, obviously it's the mood they're going for. But in terms of story relevance... I don't know, that's, again, a little confused. I remember that piece of music came out and both of us simultaneously facepalmed. <laughs> well, we simultaneously facepalmed a lot of times, but we shouldn't still be complaining about the movie! <laughs> if I had to pick a good track from this movie, other than the end titles, which we'll talk about... Oh, God either in this section or in the next section, and we could condense that into only one discussion if you want, but if I had to pick one track that I would point to as the good track, for me it would definitely be They Will Come, which is the only track that I can point to that is mostly, not entirely, but mostly focused around one particular theme and lets it grow and lets it build and lets it pay off. Yeah, that in the film, I believe, is the preparation to leave the Resistance base before the final battle, right? Well, it's the preparation and then the takeoff, yeah. Right. So, there's a great use of the March of the Resistance in that track, and then the Rise of Skywalker, the Rise theme, that, yeah, I agree, that is a really, really good piece. Yeah, there's a bit of that theme on the end of the track, but it's a good rendition of that theme, at least. And the thing is, it doesn't detract from the track the way that Jumping Around does in so many other tracks, because they let the Resistance march run through its entire progression. It starts small, there's hints of it, it builds, the volume goes up, there's more notes of it, it's more distinct. It builds and it builds and it builds on itself until it finally pays off in a big, bold, heroic rendition of the theme that runs through, and then there's some, like, after stuff, and there's some variation, and there's some playing off parts of the underscore. It lets the Resistance March go through that entire progression before it switches to playing the other theme.
So many of the other tracks, they don't do that. It's just a hit of the theme, and it doesn't build, and it doesn't develop, and nothing plays off of it. It's just, here's the theme, and then it moves on. That's why that's the track that I would cite as, like, if you're going to listen to a track from this score, that would be the one I would point to. It's absolutely a great one. We've talked about a couple of different types of thematic usage in this score. There's the sort of one-to-one A-to-B usage, where Ray is doing something, so here's a few seconds of Ray's theme. Leia comes on screen, so here's 30 seconds of Leia's theme. Kylo's here, so here's the evil fanfare version of his theme. The Knights of Ren are here, they have a theme now. And the other sort of usage in this movie, which is more, I don't want to say generic, but more broadly emotionally based, where our heroes are happy, so here's Yoda's theme, because Yoda's theme is very happy in this particular arrangement. Or Luke is pulling the X-Wing out of the water, so we're using Yoda's theme from when he pulled the X-Wing out of the water. I want to mention the action climax of the film, where the Resistance fleet is outmanned, outgunned, they're losing badly, and suddenly the Eucatastrophe hits and Lando arrives with the fleet of just people. And as the heroic, happy theme, because our heroes are being heroic and they're happy, it's just the main title. Yeah, I love that. I can't wait until something leaks online where we get the parts of the score that aren't on one of the CDs, because I really want to hear that. Maybe I'm thinking too much about, like, the narrative role of each of these themes, because some of them are, like we've said, being used a little more generically and a little more broadly. But the Rise of Skywalker theme is a theme for, you know, hope in the galaxy and and, and the restoration of, of hope and the struggle that people go through for that. And there are other themes that represent that thread of hope. When we were talking about The Last Jedi again for our sequel episode recently, I talked about Rose's theme in The Last Jedi as that thread of hope being carried through the score to kind of keep that hope alive. Rose's theme, which, by the way, does not appear anywhere in this score. Oh, right, because Rose isn't in the movie. Dominic Monaghan doesn't have a theme, so that's notable. That I can tell. Maybe some more musical leak later. Who knows? So if you really want to maybe get in the weeds on it, you can think about how Luke renounced his heroism in The Last Jedi, got a new theme that's not basically a heroic march, that's more of a grumpy, angry march. Another theme that doesn't appear anywhere in this score. Sure, right. And so... What happens with Luke's theme that is so iconic and heroic when it's not directly tied to Luke anymore? You can kind of think about the narrative role of these things, and think about Luke's theme also as the legacy of the Rebellion and the legacy of the heroism from the previous movies, and the idea of that sort of brash heroism returning as Lando returns, as Chewie returns with all of these people. I wouldn't exactly trust JJ to have that thought at this point. <laughs> I think you're overcomplicating it, though. Maybe. That's, that, that, that may be fair. It's the Star Wars theme. Yeah, and then Star Wars things are definitely happening. There's a big Star War going on, and the heroes are winning the Star War. And so they play the Star Wars theme. 
Yeah. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. I don't think it necessarily needs to be any more complicated than that. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Okay. <laughs> One reason I like that usage so much, though, is because so many big, important moments that, like, the audience is supposed to understand are big and important. The way that the score is telling you that these things are big and important is by using the Force theme over and over and over. Anytime anything important happens, it's the Force theme. It's actually too much for me. Like, there are other themes. Do you realize that all three sequel movies end on the Force theme? End on basically a binary sunset pastiche? Exactly. They don't all just end on the Force theme. They end on binary sunset. And The Last Jedi, in fact, ends on the binary sunset twice in a row. Are you sure? Yeah, for Luke's death and then the uh, broom boy. Well, yeah, but Luke's death isn't the end. After Luke's death is the whole scene of them boarding the Falcon, and then the Leia and Rey conversation on the Falcon, and that ends, if I remember correctly, on a uh, Rebel fanfare variation. Uh, That scene on the Falcon does, yeah. Okay, in a row is too much, I guess. But, like, every movie ends on a different thing, you know? New Hope had the throne room march, B-theme, that runs right into the end title. Empire was the love theme, the Han and Leia love theme. Jedi was Yub-Nub. Phantom Menace was the Augie's municipal band. Attack of the Clones was the Anakin and Padme love theme. Revenge of the Sith was a binary sunset copy. And then The Force Awakens was a binary sunset copy, and The Last Jedi was a binary sunset copy, and The Rise of Skywalker is a binary sunset copy. Not only that, but The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi have the exact same transition. It's not even done differently. It's the exact same transition between Binary Sunset and End Title. Like, here's Force Awakens. And here's Rise of Skywalker. the exact same transition (laughs) when we did our show on the original trilogy and we were talking about the original star wars i believe i said that the later repetitions had not 
dulled the impact of the original Binary Sunset. I'm not sure if maybe I should amend that statement because the first time I listened to the Rise of Skywalker finale, my reaction when the track started with Binary Sunset was not positive. It was very not positive. I still don't think it impacts appreciation of the original Binary Sunset, but it is, it's just too much. Like, this is Star Wars. There's like 50 different themes. Use one of the others. Important things can be underscored with something other than the Force theme. And they've been doing this ever since Phantom Menace, when the Force theme transitioned away from, like, important Force thing and transitioned into, this is a momentous moment in the growth of Anakin Skywalker, pay attention. Right, the sort of mythical power and the portentousness of it have been the main elements that have been picked up on in the last several scores. Yeah. I just feel like it's too much. Like, this sounds blasphemous. It feels blasphemous, but I'm getting sick of the Force theme. Use another theme! Hey, Rey is doing all of these, like, momentous Force things. Rey has a theme! Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I would give for a really awesome lightsaber duel underscored with a really awesome version of Rey's theme? Rey has like three or four lightsaber fights in this series, and we get that for like a brief moment in Force Awakens, and then never again. I mean, if we're just going to imagine things and headcanon things, yeah, I could easily imagine the duel in this movie having, you know, a, a broad, epic version of Rey's theme, part of Kylo's theme turned into an ostinato underneath. You know, I can imagine a lot of things. And they would all be better than most of what we ended up with. I mean, here's the really damning indictment. The best piece of music to come out of Rise of Skywalker is from the trailer. That version of Luke's theme from the trailer is so good. And one of the reasons I like it is because it's a big and important and portentous variation. It's telling the audience this is important, this is something to pay attention to, and it's doing it with Luke's theme and not the Force theme again, again, again. I kind of want to play it now, but I already put it at the beginning of the show, so I, I, I really shouldn't put it in twice. Fuck it, I'm editing this show. I'm putting it in again. I mean, a lot of the trailer music production houses have done large epoch in capital letters versions of several of the themes. I mean, Star Wars trailers always have good music because it's always music based on Star Wars. Yeah, the best music in a Star Wars trailer was the first Phantom Menace trailer, right? I was just going to say, probably the greatest 
Star Wars suite ever put together is the music from the first Phantom Menace trailer. But I don't think it's ever been true before that the trailer was the best music. I mean, maybe you could make an argument for Phantom Menace, but there was some good stuff in Phantom Menace. It didn't all make it into the movie unadulterated, but there was some good stuff in there. And I mean, there's, like I said, there's some good stuff in this Rise of Skywalker score. It's just, it's bits and pieces here and there. And that disappointed me. I think I said in one of my notes, you know, there's little bits of themes all over this score, but I like more of my themes than just bits and pieces. Like I said at the beginning of this section, I'm still a little more positive on it. There's enough meat to some of the pieces to kind of hang my hat on, as I am in the habit of hanging my hat on meat. Don't judge me. Hey, your meat, your choice. Exactly. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. We are going to talk about where the Rise of Skywalker score ranks in the pantheon of John Williams' Star Wars scores and Star Wars scores overall. We have to talk about the end credits suite, which was mentioned briefly a minute ago. But we are going to do those things as part of a broader, more wide-ranging discussion of the entire musical history of the franchise. We're going to have some of those discussions, we're going to have some lists, we're going to have all that coming right after this. Consideration paid for by the following. Place Nations, JT Rosero and Chad Campbell here. We want to let you know that we have over two dozen podcasts available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceNation.com. We now offer them to you on two great feeds. On the PlaceNation Wrestling feed, we dive into topics running the gamut from today's WWE to the glory days of yesteryear and the ins and outs of the territory days. In addition to our full-length shows, we also deliver to you special pod blasts on topics old and new. The Place to Be Nation pop feed is a veritable treasure trove of great content, offering tremendous shows covering the land of movies, television, life, comics, and sports, brought to you by the most knowledgeable and insightful folks in the podcast world. You can find all these current shows, plus archives of our previous podcasts over the past eight years as well, by subscribing to our feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All of these shows, plus others available at PlaceMation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus in-depth stretch projects and more. 
Be sure to support our site by using www.playstimulation.com forward slash Amazon while doing your online shopping. And be sure to join us at our forum at Bigelow34.proboards.com for all sorts of wrestling, sports, and pop culture discussion each and every day where you can make your voice heard. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar, ProWrestlingOnly.com, and TheHistoryOfWrestling.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlayStation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. have plenty of great content for you on our two podcast feeds here at Place to Be Nation. The Place to Be Nation pop feed includes The Hard Traveling Fanboys, the longest running weekly episodic comic podcast in all of Place to Be Nation, featuring the talents of Greg Phillips and Nick Duke. DC for You, an in-depth look at the world of DC comics with Russell Sellers and Todd Weber. Marvel Age, where Nick Duke, Tim Cable, Russell Sellers, and Todd Weber are going through the history of Marvel Comics. Laugh-In Theater, a live-watch comedy movie podcast hosted by Andy Atherton. The Glenn Butler podcast, Our Spectacular, which brings you deep thoughts on pop culture and the wider culture from the minds of Glenn Butler and my family and friends. The Year in Pop, a deep dive into pop culture year by year, hosted by Andy Atherton, Scott Criscolo, Dr. G, and our friend, Mr. Diamato. Sunday Groove, a podcast for music lovers, hosted by David Sunday. Plus, special topical podcasts and pod blasts as events warrant. The Place to Be Nation wrestling feed includes deep dives on professional wrestling from the 80s, 90s, and today, including Body Press Your Luck, a brand new wrestling game show hosted by JT Rosero and Jordan Duncan. Plus, monthly pay per view reaction shows and much, much more. Don't forget to check out PlaceToBeNation.com. We have a variety of voices bringing you articles on topics in the worlds of wrestling, sports, and pop culture, as well as our mainstays, such as the Wednesday Walk Around the Web, my weekly link roundup covering things I've seen online that make me laugh, make me feel something, and sometimes make me think, and I hope they do the same for you, coming to you every Wednesday. If you're shopping from Amazon, be sure to click on the Amazon banner on the right side of the Place to Be Nation homepage, or use the link PlaceToBeNation.com slash Amazon. And now, back to the show, where we are going to talk about the overall sweep of John Williams's Star Wars scores for a minute here. I think it's very clear that each of Williams's Star Wars trilogies is defined by and serves to define each era in Williams's career and in his development as an artist. We talked about this a little when we were going over each film individually, but I think on a broader view, obviously many of his scores from a certain era share a lot of the viewpoint that he had in that era and in that point in his artistic development. And I think you can really see in the Star Wars scores, in the original trilogy, kind of a distillation and, to an extent, a perfection of the style that he was cultivating at that time, and, in turn, the style that served to define blockbuster movie scoring for that time. 
If you move on to the prequel trilogy, he has been and will always be the sort of grandmaster of film scoring as long as he's around, but he's not the trendsetter anymore. And so you see in the prequels, again, something that you can clearly see developing from a lot of his scores over the course of the 90s as his style developed a little bit and changed a little bit. And a lot of the other scores that he did during the same time as the Star Wars prequels share a lot of that viewpoint, share a lot of that style. And by the time you get to the sequel trilogy, those are obviously not as far removed from the era when he wrote the prequel scores as the prequels are from the era where he wrote the original trilogy. So you can still, of course, see a lot of the stylistic hallmarks. We talk about all of these xylophone forward action cues in particular, and the speeder chase in The Rise of Skywalker as well has some xylophone forward elements at times. You can see this in a lot of his scores, and that really is a callback to something that defines his style in this era in a lot of ways. I think you can see in The Force Awakens, as we mentioned when we talked about that in some detail, that he was very, very consciously trying to kind of resurrect the energy and, and the sort of thematic style and development style that defined the original trilogy as The Force Awakens as a movie was resurrecting a lot of things about the original trilogy and, and the whole meta aspect of the job that that film had to do and that that score had to do. And so you see in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker something more akin to Williams's current style, I think. Do you think that that's more or less right, or do you think that the kind of development and stylistic changes are kind of expressed in different ways? I think that's mostly right, except The Force Awakens score is such an outlier, because that really was a throwback to more of how he scored the original trilogy. I mean, not completely, but it's much closer to the sort of Star Wars feel that he established in the original trilogy than anything else that he's written since 1983. I think you feel that mostly in, as you've been emphasizing in so many of these, the development and the use of themes, the development of particular cues that called back to a large extent, the style of the original trilogy, while some of the instrumentation and some of the particular rhythmic elements fell more in line with Williams's more typical style of this era. Well, that's definitely true. Like, race theme is a great theme, but it would have felt super out of place if he dropped it in the middle of Empire. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, this is such a chicken-in-the-egg question. Like, do I love the original trilogy so much because that's the style of scoring I enjoy? Or is that the style of scoring I enjoy because I got used to hearing it in the original Star Wars trilogy? Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's an extent to which I want to make a completely valid criticism that this is the style I prefer and it's not the style that he's doing anymore and that's a disappointment. On the other hand, I can't be completely sure that the point I'm actually making isn't just this is what he did before, he should do it again. Like, at what point does this is what I enjoy and I wish he would do more of it become the reason I enjoy this is because he used to do it, and so all I'm really saying is he should do what he used to do? Well, that's something that the entire Star Wars franchise is running into, right? And has been running into for a couple decades, at least. 
where so many of us grew up with it and formed a kind of bedrock attachment to the way that various things were done in the original trilogy, the way that various things were done in the original trilogy scores, that anything too far outside of that maybe can be appreciated in a sense, but there's a sort of nostalgic hit that you're not going to get from it. And so trying to balance that urge toward nostalgia with more of a thoughtful perspective on what it should mean more broadly to make Star Wars right now, and specifically in the premise of our show right now, what it should mean to write new Star Wars music right now. The thing is, both Michael Giacchino and John Powell wrote very strongly thematically focused scores. Yes, absolutely. Like, Solo is way more focused on themes than The Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Or Revenge of the Sith or Phantom Menace. Even while it does have a variety of themes to balance against each other. Yeah, but even with that variety of themes, I mean, we're sort of getting into later parts of the discussion. Even with the variety of themes that Powell is using, he still gives each one focus. He bounces around a lot in that reminiscence therapy track, but it's not like 20 seconds apiece. Each one gets 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 seconds to build and develop. Even bouncing between pieces of Luke's theme and bits of the Rebel fanfare and, like, the two different aspects of Han's theme and also the Chewie theme and also TIE Fighter Attack and also the Asteroid Field. He bounces around between all of those, but each one gets its time where it's focused on. Each one gets to build and develop and play out and climax and ebb before it moves on to something else. It's not like 20 seconds of this and then a whole bunch of athematic material or like little bits and pieces of the theme, but not the whole thing because that would be Ghost just playing the entire theme. So even though Powell adds trip-hop drums to nearly every piece of music in the movie, from a structural standpoint, from like how the tracks are constructed and how the score is constructed, it's very much in line with what Williams was doing in the original trilogy and did much less in the other two trilogies. The other thing Williams does a lot in the other two trilogies, and more so in the prequel trilogies, this is more a crime of the prequels, I suppose, but he also does it a bit in the sequel trilogy, particularly in Rise of Skywalker, since that's the most recent in my mind, are themes that don't really mean anything. Like, there's a theme for Luke, and it's played for Luke. And there's a theme for Leia, and it's played for Leia. And there's a theme for the Rebellion, and it's played for the Rebellion. And there's a theme for the Force, and it's played for the Force. And there's a theme for the Ewoks, and it's played for the Ewoks. And there's Duel of the Fates, and I don't know what the hell that theme stands for. And Battle of the Heroes, I don't know what the hell that theme stands for. And the Rise of Skywalker theme, we've just been talking about it for an hour. I still don't know what it stands for. Other than, there's a movie called Rise of Skywalker, and it needs a theme. I mean, Luke and Leia I thought was kind of superfluous, but at least I knew what it was for and what it meant. I mean, it could just be that Duel of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes are just simply action set pieces, and they are signature pieces from those scores, to be sure, but in terms of their function, they are the action set pieces of those films. 
and the broader use of Duel of the Fates a tiny bit in Attack of the Clones, and by the time of Solo, it's just Darth Maul's theme. <laughs> but, I mean, we talked about this to an extent when we did Attack of the Clones, and more broadly in the prequel show, that, again, you can really get in the weeds on narrative assignments for a lot of these. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you never want to be too strict with that sort of thing. But if the purpose of having different themes is to convey different information to the audience, then the audience has to understand what that theme stands for. Otherwise, it's not working to convey information to the audience. Well, the particular themes can convey information. More broadly, the music conveys emotion. That's kind of what, what I was getting at earlier with the broader emotional uses of some of these themes. I just think it's kind of disappointing that a movie as good as The Last Jedi and the big finale to the franchise that Rise of Skywalker is supposed to be didn't get better scores. By whatever definition you want to apply to the word better there and whatever caveats you want to put on it, I wish those movies had had better scores. Like, the prequel scores not being very good didn't bother me because those movies ultimately weren't very good. But, you know, a movie as good as The Last Jedi, I want to be able to go back and listen to the awesome tracks from that awesome movie, and you can't do that the way you can for the original trilogy movies. Or even Solo, which is a less awesome movie, but still an awesome score. Oh yeah, that was one thing that really stood out to me revisiting all of these for this project, that having some more time to kind of absorb it and a few extra listens to absorb more of it, Solo really, really has a ton to offer. I mean, I always loved the original trilogy scores since I knew what music was, and Rogue One I immediately loved because I'm primed to love Chikino when he's in that mode anyway. But over time, I've really appreciated Solo a lot more than I did on its first release. Not that I thought it was bad, but I, I, I just didn't really lock into it yet. On that note, should we move into our first list? Our ranking of the 11 Star Wars film scores? I mean, we may as well. We're kind of giving away parts of it. Yeah, for sure. Now, I should start with the caveat that any list that I make is by no means definitive, because I always get agita about ranking things and, and listing things in this way, so any list that I make of this sort is reflective of mostly my mood about the various things on it at the time that I made it. So on a different day, maybe I'll listen to The Force Awakens again and find something else. But going from best to relative worst, I would put the original Star Wars on top. I agree with you, Scott, that when we revisited it for this show, kind of listening to it more fresh after a few years, it is really, really impressive in the focus of so many sections of it and just the sheer quality of so many of the themes and so many of the cues. So much in the original is just amazing. Unsurpassed and unsurpassable in many ways. Yeah, there's something about it that's just... I think I called it an ineffable quality in our original trilogy show. When you try to think about it logically, the others should be better. They have more themes, they come later in the cycle, so there's more development, the characters are better developed, so the character moments are deeper, which means the theme underscoring the scene can be more important or, or deeper or more meaningful. But God, just listen to that New Hope soundtrack. Just nothing compares. In so many ways, it's a little amazing. 
Next, I am going to have Return of the Jedi. I think a lot of the things that you said about the progression and deepening of themes over the course of a series really holds true for Jedi. It has so many brilliant moments of catharsis. The Sail Barge Assault we talked about extensively on our original trilogy show, but it is such a great cathartic sequence for that opening act of the film. And you can probably pick off a dozen amazing individual cues throughout Jedi. There's obviously the final duel, which we talked about also, is just incredible and epic and operatic. So many of the individual pieces throughout the battle, so many of the one-off fanfares and set pieces throughout the film, it just has so, so much to offer. It, it is a bounty. I am sort of surprised that we agree again, and I guess I'm sort of obviating the need to do my list separately, but I have Jedi number two. Jedi has always been a favorite of mine. I would have put it number one before this re-listen that we've just done this last month. There's just so much in there, and so much of it is iconic. Like you said, like practically every track is just iconic. Also, this is something I just realized the other day. Because if you remember, when we were doing our original trilogy reviews, I was not as big a fan of the Empire soundtrack, but I mentioned that like the last four tracks of that score are excellent, like some of the best stuff ever. The Clash of the Lightsabers, the Escape from Cloud City, going back to rescue Luke, escaping the Empire, the hyperspace track, and then the Rebel Fleet and title. Those four tracks right in a row are just like excellent, 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 excellent. However, if you look at the end of the Jedi CD, like, there's parts of the Battle of Endor that are better than others, but the last, like, I don't even know how long this is. This is, like, many, many. The end of the Jedi CD goes like this. You ready? The final duel, hand blowing up the bunker, all the starfighters racing into the Death Star, the Emperor's death... The superstructure chase, Darth Vader's death, blowing up the core of the Death Star, escaping the Death Star, the Through the Flames track, Leia's news, Light of the Force, Yubnub, and Title. How is that for a sequence to end the soundtrack? <laughs> like, there's not a single one of those that's not one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> I agree that iconic is exactly the word for so much of that. Speaking of iconic, my next one is Empire, which we diverged on a little bit when we did the original trilogy show, so I'm not sure where you're going to rank it, but I had to have it here for the fabulous new themes that it introduced, the many, many, many different variations on the Imperial March that are all over the film, the use of Yoda's theme and the Force theme kind of merging and relating to each other through the middle of the film. The Battle of Hoth at the beginning of the score has several fabulous pieces. And like you mentioned, the whole finale sequence is just amazing, amazing music. So I, I absolutely had to, uh, to have it here. I don't agree with all of that, as we've discussed before, but I also have Empire Third. Okay. The Imperial March, the Cloud City theme, Yoda's theme, those last four tracks, it's just so, so, so good. 
even if there's parts of it that I don't love as much as I love the other two movies, it's still so, so good. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm very curious to see what you have next. I think we may start disagreeing. Oh, we might. Now that we're leaving the segment of the list where we have the things we've been hearing since we were two years old. My fourth is Rogue One. I love the themes so, so much. The original themes are so compelling that even with the weirdness of having them duplicate the purpose and the story role of the older Williams themes, the new ones are just so good that I don't think about that when I listen to it. The Rogue One score for me is just relentlessly listenable. I agree the new themes in Rogue One are really good. I don't think they're used particularly well with the exception of Jin's theme. I had at number four, Solo. Wow, okay. There are so many good themes in that. The hand theme, the Chewie theme, the gang theme, the mine mission track with the gang theme march is so good. And even when he uses original themes, he, he puts his own spin on them and they sound new and fresh and unique. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of that score. I don't know if maybe part of the reason I love it so much is we only have like one single CD release of it, while all of the other movies we have like at least two hours of music from. So maybe there's a lot of dull, boring, shitty parts of Solo that I just didn't hear because they haven't been released. Regardless, it, it's a very well put together album at the very least. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, Solo is my number four. All right. <clears throat> My number five is The Force Awakens, which we've talked about pretty extensively already. The new energy brought back to it. Ray's theme is an absolute highlight. The Resistance theme has grown on me a lot throughout this sequel trilogy. Yeah, I remember you used to say it didn't sound heroic enough for you, and I never understood that. It's still... I don't know. I... <laughs> Not even the version in The Force Awakens end credits. Not even the version in They Will Come. Sure, well, I've more than acclimated to it by now. It has grown on me so much since The Force Awakens first came out. Kylo's theme, or Kylo's tripartite assembly of theme, has grown on me a lot over the course of this sequel trilogy, and so going back to The Force Awakens, I see more in those sections than I did originally. So, all of the new material, some of the smart uses of some of the old material, binary sunset notwithstanding, maybe. That looks worse in retrospect, because so many other movies do it, too. That's true, that's true. And of course, in Force Awakens, it's following the Jedi Steps, which is another fabulous new theme that Williams just kind of tossed out there. Yeah, I also have Force Awakens at number five. Love, 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 love Rey's theme. Love the Resistance March. Love the Jedi Steps. Love all of the Rey's theme tracks. That whole scavenger piece where it just focuses on that theme to introduce both her and the theme together. All of the tracks where that theme is played with to emphasize what she's feeling, when she's excited, when she's depressed, when she's lonely, when she's heroic, when she's scared. It's so, so, so good. Next up for me is Solo, 
the virtues of which we've covered a little bit. I think the energy that John Powell brings to it is fabulous. The action music, all of it, is a highlight of the score, absolutely. There's just so much to recommend it. It's another one that's really, really grown on me. This is where I put Rogue One. Okay. Like I said, I love the new themes in that movie. I just don't think many of them are used particularly well, but it is still really good. Next up for me is The Rise of Skywalker, actually. Wow. Thanks to a lot of the pieces that I really did like. The new theme suite, the speeder chase, the development and kind of inversion of Kylo's theme, I just think is fascinating the way that Williams kind of turned that around. Despite some of the detriments that we've discussed, I would have it over the remaining ones because of those new themes and a couple of those pieces. My number seven is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> well, okay, well, all right. The Across the Stars love theme is so good. By miles and miles and miles, the best piece of music to come out of that entire trilogy. And it's actually used a lot in the movie. There are one or two tracks that are fully built around it, and it shows up all over the place. Apart from that, the Love Pledge in the Arena track is really good, one of my favorites. The conspiracy motif that shows up throughout the movie is not really compelling or engaging, but it serves its purpose. It marks out information for the audience, it tells the audience what's going on, and makes them take note of certain things, so it serves that purpose, even if it's not the best thing to listen to on a lazy day. The arrival at Kamino and Obi-Wan's scenes on Kamino have a theme for the planet Kamino that I like, and I like that there is a theme for it. So I put Attack of the Clones next. I actually have Attack of the Clones next on my list. So one spot down, I suppose. The love theme really does carry it entirely. There are other elements that are fine. The conspiracy motif, I think, is entirely uninteresting, but. Sure, it serves a purpose, sure. I like that it's there. It helps structure the score and structure the story, and it helps tell the story to the audience. Sure. Which is one of the many things a theme is supposed to do. It's not the most riveting listen like some of the other Star Wars themes, but it works from the structural standpoint, which is more than you could say for pretty much anything else in those prequel movies. So, <laughs> Right. My number eight is The Last Jedi. We've talked about this a bit already. There's moments in this score that I really like. There's parts of tracks in this score that I really like. It never really comes together. It's just a little too scattershot, a little too unfocused, a little too jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing without letting anything like develop and grow and build. But there are moments and there are pieces that I do like. So I put The Last Jedi next. Uh, so did I, actually. <laughs> well, one spot down again. Right, right. <laughs> Rose's theme is another one that's grown on me since the film and the score originally came out. And there are highlight pieces in it. The Admiral Holdo scene, I think, is a, a thrilling, exciting piece. There are a couple other highlights in the score that kind of elevate it a little bit. 
even while we've talked about some of the elements that are less engaging. I think our last couple might be the same, too. Let's go ahead and see. Well, my number nine, I have Rise of the Skywalker. It suffers from a lot of the same problems as The Last Jedi, that nothing really gets the focus for long enough, nothing gets to build and develop other than, like, one track, maybe two. In the end, I sort of see them as very similar, but I feel like The Last Jedi just had a little bit more there, and I never really connected with the new themes in Rise of Skywalker. I would say that I like Rose's theme better than the new themes in Rise of Skywalker, and so I have Rise of Skywalker just behind Last Jedi. At 10, I have The Phantom Menace, which does have highlights. It has some set pieces. It has some engaging pieces, even while so much of the score, especially in the middle section, is built around iterations of Anakin's theme, which are frankly uninteresting. Yeah, I also have Phantom Menace at number 10. I like Anakin's theme from the suite. I don't think it's used very well anywhere in the movie. I like the Naboo guards music that's used during the battle at the end, but so little of it made it into the movie in any kind of coherent form. Duel of Fates is fine. I I don't dislike it, but I've never loved it the way some other people seem to. There's that one good track with the instrumental Duel of the Fates playing off the Force theme. Outside of that, there's not a lot that grabs me in this score. So that's why I have it down at 10. And bringing up the rear, I think we both have Revenge of the Sith, do we not? No process of elimination. Exactly. <laughs> thinking back on it, and maybe, maybe there's something that's not coming to mind, but thinking back on it, like literally the only thing in Revenge of the Sith is that Battle of the Heroes suite. And even that doesn't make it into the Battle of the Heroes scene intact. It gets cut up and separated and pieces used. And... But outside of that, the Order 66 montage is a good track. That's a good listen, but I just found it very frustrating because I so desperately wanted something built around one of the themes. They have an Anakin theme, they have an Anakin and Padme theme, they have a Force theme, they have a main theme. They have all these themes and they don't build any tracks around any of them. And I was just so frustrated by that that even though on its own that Order 66 montage is a good piece of music... Even the good piece of music I just found frustrating because it wasn't what I wanted in that score. Yeah, so much of that score is focused on these deep, anguished, tragic string pieces. And I fully recognize what that's doing, and it's accomplishing what it sets out to do. It's just that when that mood is continued for an extended period of time, it becomes less effective. Meanwhile, I don't find there to be some of the set pieces and highlights that would otherwise put it above some of the others. The Battle of the Heroes is fine, and the theme is used, you know, a couple of times during the uh, climax, but it's ultimately not something that I'm in love with, unlike so many pieces from so many of these other scores, obviously, <laughs> that we've been talking about in this entire series. It's also less effective when it's not presented in contrast with anything. 
Like all of those dark and dreary and broken and morose and deconstructed theme usage in Revenge of the Sith is not presented in contrast with a lot of usage of the full theme earlier in the movie or even earlier in the trilogy. So that just didn't really work for me. Like if you have Star Wars and Empire... If you take those scores and then you get to Jedi and like everything's gone to hell and so Luke's theme doesn't play for more than three or four notes and it sounds sad and depressed and it's broken into pieces, that works because it's such a stark contrast to how it's presented in the other two movies. That didn't really work for me in Revenge of the Sith because we never got the whole thing to contrast the broken part too. Really, the best piece of music in Revenge of the Sith is the end credits suite, because he just plays the throne room concert suite. <laughs> Much like the use of the Star Wars main title in The Rise of Skywalker end credits, it serves as like a reward for anyone that's actually slogged through the entire score. Well, it's definitely one of the meta elements of your experience of these things, yes. Speaking of which, the next list that we're going to run down is the end title suites from each of these films. Now, I think that while we're talking about the best Star Wars end title pieces, for me, there are three that stand above all the others because all the others are basically cut and paste edit jobs, which can vary, of course, depending on the quality of what's being cut and pasted and the quality of some of the edits, which in some instances are better than others. But for me, I think the clear leaders for the end title pieces are Empire, Force Awakens, and the original Star Wars. I think they all have fresh, innovative variations on the themes that are presented in the mid-portion of the credit suites. I think they move between the sections in the most organic way because they are organically composed pieces. I've harped on this over and over again on this show, so I, I, I don't really need to do it again. But the energy that especially The Empire and The Force Awakens credits have with presenting you with a barrage of the new themes from the movie, but in a way that doesn't feel like an assault. It just feels like a high-tempo, energetic presentation. And the Star Wars credits, I think I mentioned when we talked about that score proper, the combination of Leia's theme with the Rebel fanfare and Counterpoint, I think is just an inspired choice. So, after those, I would have some gradations between the others, but all of the others are more or less edited from concert suites or other pieces. I think at the top of that, I would put Return of the Jedi because of the very ending of that piece more than anything else. Recalling the throne room theme to really close out the trilogy. Next, I would have Revenge of the Sith talking about recalling the throne room to close out the trilogy. The concert version of the throne room is not my favorite in particular, but in the context of the Revenge of the Sith score, I think your comment that it stands as a kind of reward is um, not off. Uh, next, I would actually have Rise of Skywalker. Oh, geez, it is a trip and it is a wild ride. The rest, I think, are less interesting edit jobs. Rogue One has a decent transition or two, I think. 
It comes back to Luke's theme at the end, which the later films don't. The Last Jedi credits has the piano tribute to Carrie Fisher, which, for timing reasons, was kind of jammed into the music in a musical sense, but uh, that version, I think, is still pretty touching. Solo has some of the highlights from that score, and Phantom Menace is just a pure edit job. It's literally just the concert suites. Attack the Clones I have at the last position because Williams actually composed a specific version of the Across the Stars theme for the credits of Attack of the Clones, which is on the soundtrack album, which has a closing section with different instrumentation from the concert suite, and recalls Anakin's theme right at the end as a kind of mournful reminder of lost innocence and and various things that maybe the movie could have tried to do if it was a better movie. And in the film version of the credits, they just pasted in the concert suite. So, oh, really? Yes. I didn't realize that. Yep. I think I did my rankings based on the soundtrack version. Okay. I agree with you. Empire and Force Awakens are the two best ones. Not only do they have original versions of all of the themes introduced in the movie, but... In the case of Yoda's theme and Rey's theme, and to an extent the Resistance March, they have the best versions of those themes. The renditions of those themes in the end credits is superior to the theme suite on the same CD. I wound up putting Empire just a hair ahead of Force Awakens. As much as I love Rey's theme and the Resistance March, I think the Imperial March is superior to the Kylo material, and I think that the love theme from Empire is superior to anything else from Force Awakens other than Rey's theme, so I wound up putting Empire just a hair ahead of Force Awakens. In the third spot, I have Revenge of the Sith. I don't know what it is. I don't even really like the concert suite version of the throne room, but it's... For some reason, every time I listen to that, it's just so good. And I don't know if it's just because I remember the relief I felt that I was finally at the end of the Revenge of the Sith score, but I really, really love that suite. So I had Revenge of the Sith third, and then I put Jedi fourth, mostly on the strength of Yubnub. That was something that I was wondering. I was trying to go more by just the end credits portion. Because if you start getting into the prelude to the credits, then that kind of shades several of them. Well, I was including the entire track, like, you know, Rebel Fleet and title, Victory Celebration and title, Jedi Steps and title. I was including that piece of music that transitions into the end title suite. The Ewok music is good. I like it a lot, but it's not like one of my favorite things. The Luke and Leia theme, I've actually come to appreciate that a little more as it's been used more in The Last Jedi and The Rise of the Skywalker, but I still am not a huge fan of the version of it in the concert suite in The Return of the Jedi credits. So those are both just sort of okay, but Yubnub is just so good, and the return to the main Star Wars theme at the end of the credits suite, which they didn't do in Empire because they had so many other themes to get into the end credits suite in Empire, but I appreciated the return to the main title theme at the end of that too. So I have Jedi at five. At six, I put Attack of the Clones, and it's just because the love theme is so good. 
that track, there's like some introductory stuff on the beginning of like where Palpatine meets with Dooku and then Yoda saying, Begun the Clone War has. But the rest of that track is the Imperial March, the love theme, end title, the love theme, the love theme. <laughs> the love theme and the love theme and the love theme. So I have that next on my list because the love theme, it, like I said, it's the best piece of music to come out of the prequels. At seven, I have Rise of the Skywalker. For many of the same reasons as Revenge of the Sith, I like that they have the main theme in there. It's just, it's weird. It's so weird. But I love the Star Wars main title. They took my favorite track and put it in the end credits suite. They took your favorite track and it's in the movie three times. (laughs) Also, that version of the Imperial March in that suite is really, really good. In the new themes, I, they're fine. I mean, they're nice to listen to in some renditions. I just never really connected with them. And plus, the sections on the new themes in that suite is pretty short. It's like half Binary Sunset, end title, Imperial March, new themes, and then half Star Wars main title, Rebel Blockade Runner, Star Wars end title. So I have that next on my list. At eight, I put Solo. It's just such a cut-and-paste job. I mean, I like everything that's being cut-and-pasted into it, but it's just such a patch job and just stuff strung together. It reminds me of nothing else so much as it reminds me of when I'm editing our Oscars show, and I try to put together enough music from a movie to run under the entire time where we talk about the movie. It's just like, oh god, I need to find another 40 seconds in this score. Is there another 40 seconds I like out of this that'll that'll fit in here? And that's kind of what that end credit suite felt like. Like, well, there's there's another two minutes of credits. We'll throw on some of this track. Well, there's still another 90 seconds of credits. We'll throw on some of this track. There's like five or six or eight or something like that different tracks tracked into that end credit suite. At least one of them is tracked in twice. I mean, like I said, I like all the music in there, but the construction of it is such a mess. At nine, I put Phantom Menace. Because I do like Anakin's theme. Duel of the Fates is fine. I can kind of take it or leave it, but it's fine to listen to. And the Augie's Great Municipal Band track I do enjoy. So I add Phantom Menace next. At ten, I put Rogue One. It's Basically just the three theme suites pasted back to back to back. Which, I mean, I like the theme suites, but it's just so rote the way that suite is constructed. And then at number 11, I have The Last Jedi, which is just kind of a big old mess of stuff. Oh, well, (laughs) a couple of these are kind of a big old mess of stuff. I kind of found the Rise of Skywalker credits to be your quintessential big old mess of stuff, actually. See, I would disagree with that strongly. The Rise of Skywalker has several distinct pieces of music that are stitched together. It has a section of the new theme, and then it has the Imperial March, and then it has the other new theme, and then it has the Star Wars main title. Like, it doesn't jump from one thing to another every, like, 30 seconds or a minute. It has distinct suites of material that are in there. Some of the stitching, I think, is not ideal. Oh, God, the new transition from main title to Rebel Blockade Runner is a disaster. 
I was just going to mention as well, having the main title in the end credits, it, it just... Oh yeah, it feels weird as shit, but I don't care. I love the main title. Sure, it's a great arrangement, obviously, and has been for, you know, 40-something years, but to have it suddenly pop up in the end title was just strange. And, of course, the transition to Rebel Blockade Runner was extremely weird, and the transition from Blockade Runner into the end title, of course, replicating the concert suite again, like Revenge of the Sith, we're doing the concert suites here to kind of bring everything full circle again. Well, it is William's third last Star Wars movie. And possibly his last, last Star Wars movie, although who knows, maybe he'll write some new themes for John Powell or something. Or maybe he'll come back for episode 10. Yeah, having the main title in the end title is really weird. And the first time I listened to that, I was like, wow, this thing is a real trip. But I just love it so much that I don't care. Play me all of the main titles. Well, that's been a particular fascination for you lately, hasn't it? Do you want to move on to that? Because I did. I took it upon myself. Glenn wasn't interested in this project. I took it upon myself to rate all of the main title pieces based only on the first three seconds. Just the crash at the beginning. I'm not listening to anything else in the main title. Just the crash at the beginning. Number one was actually hard to pick. I expected this to be New Hope by a mile. And it wasn't. Compared to my number two pick, the New Hope crash has a much stronger drum crash, but a much weaker brass crash. In the end, though, I sided with the drums and put New Hope at number one, but it was not the obvious pick that I expected it to be. Now, I was surprised listening to these listening to these back to back to back to back, and even loading them up in an audio editor and comparing the waveforms between the two files, as far as I can tell, Force Awakens and Last Jedi have the exact same main title suite. I believe I've read that, yes. I don't understand why they used the same one for all of the prequels, and I don't understand why they apparently used the Force Awakens recording for The Last Jedi. I don't remember all the details from the time that the scoring sessions were going on, but I think Ryan Johnson posted something on Instagram when they were recording the main title for The Last Jedi, but for some reason, I believe they did use The Force Awakens recording. Well, that's my number two, is The Force Awakens Last Jedi version. Like I said, the, the drum hit at the very beginning is a little bit weaker than New Hope, but the brass hit is actually a bit stronger than New Hope. And so it sounds really, really good. Like I said, in the end, I sided ever so slightly with the drum hit over the brass hit, but Force Awakens Last Jedi was almost my number one. It's really, really, really good. Number three, I have the prequel one. <laughs> The same one is used in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. I confirmed this again, comparing the waveforms and listening to them all back to back to back to back. It's good, but the drums sound a little weak, and the like loud brass crash at the beginning ends too quickly. It's not sustained long enough. And so, because of that, I marked it down. It's my number three. 
it's still good, but it just it has those flaws. Number four, I have Return of the Jedi. The drums hit too early, and so you don't get that like explosion of sound. The drums start rolling before the brass kicks in, and also that initial brass crash that was too short in Phantom Menace is actually a touch too long in Jedi. It goes on too long to be a crash like you want, and it's just more of a sustained blare. It detracts from the, the overall feel of it, in addition to the drums timing being off at the beginning, so it doesn't hit at the same time as the brass. The whole thing just feels off. So I have Return of the Jedi 4. At 5, I have Rise of the Skywalker. Which is a different recording from the other two sequel movies. Rise of the Skywalker has a very different feel to the crash at the beginning. It almost feels like more of a rolling thing than an explosion of sound. The brass is very weak compared to other versions, and the drums sort of roll in and grow rather than, like, exploding into your ears. It feels very graduated instead of, like, the bold crash that you really want from the beginning of the main title. So I have Rise of the Skywalker down at five. And at the very bottom, number six, I have The Empire Strikes Back. I don't know what it is, if something went wrong in the recording session, or the initial hit is good, the drums and the brass are timed well, but the brass sounds like so thin and weak. It can't really give you that really satisfying explosion of sound like you get in most of the other versions because the brass just sounds so high and thin and weak. And so I have the Empire Crash ranked last at number six. An impressive examination. Well, speaking of our own idiosyncratic choices of what to examine far too deeply, I believe you have some opinions on Star Wars themes that didn't get sweets that you think need sweets. <laughs> The first theme that came to mind for me when we started talking about this was one that you could argue at this point no longer needs one, and that's the Force theme. I would listen to a Force theme suite as long as it wasn't just Binary Sunset again, again, again. Exactly. Despite some of the more rote versions, I think there is so much room to explore in that theme. Yeah, that's the real problem with it, is that it's just almost rote. The way they just keep reusing it in that method, in that instrumentation, using that rendition, playing it in just that section and not expanding, not building, not developing. That's the problem. It feels very rote. If you were to like build on that theme and develop it and play things off of it the way they do with other themes, that would be really interesting to hear. In fact, I mentioned earlier that I went back and listened to the Binary Sunset again just to make sure for myself that it still wasn't diminished, and I found myself attracted more so to the section of the Force theme in that track with the flutes and chimes uh, more so than the horn version that's been used, like we've said, so much.
And also, at the end of Empire, during the Rebel Fleet scene, there is a B section of the Force theme that's only ever heard in that one track in that one scene. So there's a whole other element that has never really been explored. In this theme that's been used, what, hundreds of times probably in the last 42 years? It's amazing. I mentioned when we were ranking the scores that Kylo Ren's theme had grown on me quite a lot over the course of these scores, and especially with some of the things that Williams did with it in The Rise of Skywalker. And I think that a suite that encompassed not only the three parts of his theme, but also some of the variations and some of the developments over the course of these movies, that, I think, would be fascinating, depending on how it was put together. Kylo's theme, every time I remember it being used, it was always very short. It didn't strike me as a theme that could, like, run on for a long time. And then again, one of my favorite tracks is a damn Rebel Fanfare Suite, so, you know. <laughs> you have to see what he does with it, I guess. Exactly, yeah. So those are the ones that I think have the most meat on them that potentially hasn't been explored enough. Otherwise, there are a couple of themes that I would have loved to hear more of or would have loved to hear in extended arrangements. Uh, wouldn't you love, like, a good five-minute Qui-Gon suite? That would be really interesting to hear. I'm very curious about Qui-Gon's theme after this re-listen. Like, I know the first time we hear it, it sounds like the backing tune for a boy band, but there's something interesting about it, and hearing the way they use it later when he dies... I think there's potential there, and it's just entirely unrealized because prequels. Well, basically. The other one that occurred to me along those lines is, of course, the Jedi Steps, which I think we've both mentioned when we were talking about Force Awakens before, and, and did come back, obviously, in The Last Jedi a little bit, but not really in a way that explored it deeply, and, and not really in a way that kind of took advantage of the potential I think that theme really has. I don't know. I think it did get a pretty good rendition in the Jedi Steps track in Force Awakens. I mean, you could obviously take it further, but... I'm still stuck on the idea that we came up with jokingly when we were recording the prequels show. I, I want to hear what, like, a four-and-a-half-minute Attack of the Clones conspiracy motif suite would sound like. I couldn't possibly imagine. <laughs> You are more knowledgeable about the current state of film scoring than I am. 
now that supposedly John Williams has retired from Star Wars scores for the third time, they're obviously going to keep making these movies. Each one makes a billion damn dollars. Who are some current composers that you think would be a good idea to have them score future Star Wars movies? Like, who would fit in that milieu? I think that's an interesting question because I can't just rattle off, like, all the composers that I like because they may or may not be suited for Star Wars in particular, you know? I think for Star Wars, at this point, you have to have a solid, solid grounding in melodic writing and the ability to recall parts of the John Williams style, because that'll always define Star Wars. Anything that breaks away from it does so consciously, and with that being the remarkable thing about it. That was part of the point of our And the Rest show, talking about how other composers kind of interacted with the established Star Wars style, put their own stamp on it, and I think while any composer has to have a strong melodic bass, they have to be able to put their own stamp on it while remaining close enough to make it cohesive. Honestly, the first person that occurred to me is Michael Giacchino with more than an hour and a half to write it. <laughs> Um, I think both of us certainly would welcome another Giacchino entry or John Powell. We've talked about their scores quite a bit. Bear McCreary is another current composer that I think does have that strong melodic bass, but experiments a lot with percussion, with different instruments, with different styles, and could really put an interesting spin on the Star Wars style. Christoph Beck is another composer who has done several blockbusters on his own and has, again, had strong themes and strong characterization interaction in a lot of his music and has really supported a lot of those things very well that I think you would have to do in a Star Wars movie. I'm not entirely sure what someone like Brian Tyler would do for a Star Wars movie, but I would like to find out. I'd like to hear it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd listen to hell out of that. I mean, the Brian Tyler of today is somewhat different than when we first became fans of his back in Children of Dune and some of the other things he did in the early 2000s, but he still, when given the opportunity and, and inspiration and stuff, can pull out a strong main theme and some strong supporting material for it. I really liked his Power Rangers movie a couple years ago. Yeah, the main theme from that was pretty cool. Um, his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme was oddly compelling. Marco Beltrami is someone else who has done an action movie or two in his time. His main theme from Hellboy, I think, is one of his best works and again has that strong thematic melodic basis. Someone who probably would never really get the opportunity. But then again, Alexander Desplat was going to do one. So I was also thinking maybe about Murray Gold. <laughs> wow. I I'd be here for it. Sure. I mean, ag again, I'm not entirely sure what it would sound like, but I'd like to hear it. They're doing a Ben Kenobi TV series, aren't they? On the Disney Plus? Yeah. Is Ben Kenobi a daft old man in a Adobe hut? <laughs> hey, Bear McCreary does every TV show as it is. Just let him do the Obi-Wan show. Oh, God. I, I swear, him and his army of assistants is doing, like, 55 TV shows these days. Thus concludes my whirlwind tour of 
people off the top of my head who write strong themes. One other thing that we talked about doing as we wrap up here is picking our three favorite tracks from each of these scores to really signify what stands out to us and what's most memorable to us about each of these. So let's start with New Hope. Scott, what are your three tracks that you picked? Okay. I went into this with two sort of guidelines that I gave myself. One was that I wanted to try to avoid just picking the end title suite from every movie. And I didn't entirely manage that. And the other thing is that I thought it would be sort of a cheat to pick the main title from each movie, because it's all the same. However, the one movie it's not a cheat to pick the main title from is Star Wars, because that's where it comes from. (laughs) So, for Star Wars, I have number one, throne room end title, Number two, the main title, and number three, the Battle of Yavin. Like, the entire Star Wars score is incredible, but if I have to pick three, those were my three. I similarly didn't just want to pick all the end credits, and looking quickly through my list, I picked four of them. (laughs) I have six, or maybe seven, depending on how you count. Okay. It also depends on how you parse these tracks, because some of them get lumped together on the CD. Well, that's something that we're going to have to talk about when we get to Return of the Jedi, because, oh boy, is that one lumped. But for New Hope, I have Imperial Attack for a lot of the great variations on the Rebel fanfare, the Imperial theme, which apparently in this project has really stuck with me. Binary Sunset and the Throne Room end title. The throne room piece itself is obviously amazing, and I spoke about the end credits a few minutes ago. What did you have for Empire? For Empire, I have number one, Clash of the Lightsabers. Not so much for the Clash of the Lightsabers part, but the end of the track Clash of the Lightsabers is their escape from Cloud City with that giant, grand, epic rendition of the Han and Leia love theme. Number two, I have the Imperial March because that's just incredible. And then number three, I put Rebel Fleet end title, because I'm not good at following my own guidelines. (laughs) For Empire, I had the Battle of Hoth to get the great Battle in the Snow and all the other pieces in there, Uh, the rescue from Cloud City and the jump to hyperspace with that epic, epic version of the Force theme and then the thrilling hyperspace cue and Rebel Fleet and title to really sum up the entire score, really. Now, for Return of the Jedi, on the special edition at least, the other editions have it split differently. I mean, the original album has almost nothing on it, but the uh, 93 CD has it split up. But the 97 edition of the Jedi score has the three Battle of Endor tracks, which are very, very long, and I have two of them on my list. (laughs) My list for Return of the Jedi is the Sail Barge Assault, obviously, as discussed extensively. Battle of Endor 1, which covers the arrival of the Rebel fleet in the uh, trap. The fight with the Scout Walkers on Endor, the firing of the Death Star weapon in the space battle, then the Battle of Endor 2, which continues from there through the duel 
and the final duel, the epic, epic choral piece, which we've talked about a couple of times, and the Emperor's Death, another huge choral extravaganza. So, if you're going to allow me to <laughs> take tracks with, like, five tracks in them, I'm gonna do it. I went more the splitter route on the lumper-splitter debate with Return of the Jedi. I have, number one, Sail Barge Assault, obviously. Number two, The Final Duel. And number three, Yubnub. <laughs> very good. Very good. It's so good. If I had to take the splitter route, I think my Jedi list would be Sail Barge Assault, The Final Duel, and... I might stick with The Emperor's Death, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's a good piece. It's a good I mean, we've talked before about how basically from the Luke and Vader duel through the end of the movie is just incredible, incredible stuff. Yes. In contrast, where did you land on the Phantom Menace? Phantom Menace, as we've discussed, a lot of it is kind of empty and dull, but it definitely does have its moments. I have, number one, the droid invasion, which is a really great march. Even when Williams was doing boring, dreary dross, he could still write a killer march. Number two, I have the Flag Parade, which is very nearly the same march. It's very similar. And number three, I have Panaka and the Queen's Protectors, which is the sort of palace guards suite of music that was intended to be used in the final battle and made it in there in dribs and drabs and bits and pieces. But, like, the more whole track is on the original CD, and so I picked that. For Phantom Menace, I have The Escape from Naboo, the full version, not the ones from, like, every movie. The perennial. The perennial, yeah. It hey, before even Binary Sunset. Uh, the Flag Parade. And Anakin is free which I know is not going to be a favorite of yours, but it has some nice variations on, on the Force theme, I think, including the big portentous one at the end when he finally leaves, and also a lot of really gentle readings of Shmi's theme, which is more of a subtle presence in the score, but I think is a highlight there. <laughs> For Attack the Clones... Oof, uh, honestly, I can't get to three without taking the splitter route. Like, if you split Love Pledge and the Arena apart, I'll have those and the Across the Stars concert suite. If you count Love Pledge and the Arena together, I ain't got three. Well, you're missing the obvious. Am I? I have number one, Love Pledge and the Arena. Number two, the End Credits suite, which is Imperial March. Love theme, Star Wars end title, love theme, love theme. <laughs> and number three, I have the Across the Stars love theme. <laughs> okay, fair. Those are the three best tracks from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, I have Anakin's Betrayal, the Order 66 montage, which, like we said, in isolation works. 
Padme's funeral, which I talked about when we did that show, I just think is the highlight of the score, frankly. And this is one where I copped out and took the end credits. Yeah, I've never liked the Padme's funeral music as much as you do. I just... I was so sick of tracked music after listening to Clones and Sith. And I know the Padme's funeral isn't tracked, it's like based on, and but it's so similar that I was just... I was just so checked out on that at that point, so I can't go with you there. I have, number one, the end credits. The binary sunset, end title, the Battle of the Heroes stuff is in there, but then it's the throne room concert suite and then more Star Wars end title. I really love that suite beyond what it probably deserves. So I have that as number one. Number two, I put Anakin's Betrayal. That's a really good track in isolation. And number three, for want of anything better, I threw on the Battle of the Heroes suite. It's fine. It's nothing that I love, but it's not bad. I think it's bad we used in the movie, but I mean, it's fine. So, For The Force Awakens, I took the Ray's theme concert suite. Like we've said, an amazing theme and a very, very well-constructed suite. The Falcon, the escape from Jakku, the chase with the TIE fighters in, in the crashed Star Destroyer, that whole piece. Finn's action ostinato motif and Jedi steps and the end credits because as discussed it's among the best end credits and really sums up that score perfectly yeah I have number one I have the Jedi steps end credits it's just so good every piece of it is so good and put it together and it's still so good number two I have the scavenger I think that track does such a good job of both introducing Ray and introducing Ray's theme and introducing them together and getting the audience to associate them and getting the audience to emote for Ray based on that theme. I think that track is just brilliant. And number three, I have the March of the Resistance. I, I really like that theme. For The Last Jedi, I have The Rebellion is Reborn, the combined concert suite for Rose's theme and Luke's new theme. Luke's old new theme, whatever. Holdo's Resolve, her uh, maneuver at the end of the battle with a great new theme there. And The Spark, which we talked about when we did The Last Jedi score, which is just a, a great driving piece. I'm very close with you on that. I have number one, Holdo's Resolve. I think that's the most coherent, most complete single track on the score. Number two, I have The Spark. As we've discussed, it's really good. Number three, I have the Battle of Crate, which it doesn't really come together as a whole, but there's little pieces of that that are really awesome. There's pieces of the Resistance theme. There's pieces of the Rebel fanfare. There's some TIE Fighter attack in there. There's some Ray's theme in there. There's some Rose's theme in there. Like I said, it bounces around too much to come together as a whole. It doesn't focus on any one thing enough, but all of the pieces and the little bits in it are really good. For Rise of Skywalker, I have the Rise of Skywalker concert suite, again, for the two hero themes introduced there. They Will Come, which you talked about in our first segment with the fun variations on the Resistance March and, and the Rise theme at the end, and Parents from the Oscar promo with those major mode variations on Kylo's theme. For Rise of the Skywalker, I have, number one, They Will Come which I think is far and away the best track from that score. We've discussed it. 
Number two, I have the binary sunset and credits because I love the Star Wars main title and it's in there like four times. It's binary sunset, Star Wars theme, new rise of Skywalker theme, Imperial March, new rise of Skywalker theme, Star Wars main theme, Rebel Blockade Runner, Star Wars main theme. So that's, that's all good in my book. And then number three, I have Reunion. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's another track that it sort of bounces from theme to theme to theme to theme to theme. Nothing gets focused, nothing gets development. But, I mean, just to listen to, it's fun. All the themes in it are good. They're, they're played pretty well. It's fine. It's a fun listen. It's just nothing substantial. Wrapping up with the Star Wars stories, for Rogue One, I had Rogue One, the uh, departure scene from the Rebel base, a great driving rhythm throughout developments of, of some of the themes. Your Father Would Be Proud, the end of the film on the beach, just an amazing epic version of Jyn Erso's theme, and the Guardians of the Wills suite, which... As the spiritual themes, if you want to call it that, from these movies go, is a fine, fine entry. We're actually pretty close on this. I had at number one the Jin Erso and Hope Suite, because I think that what is called the Hope Suite on here, basically the main title card of the movie, which is used, I think, one other time, or I think two other times. It's used once in the battle, but I don't think that one's on the CD. Right. I really like that theme, and I think it's so underused, so I'm glad there's this little bit of it in this suite. Uh, number two, I have Rogue One. That's a really good track. Probably my favorite from the actual score. And at number three, I have the Guardians of the Will suite, which is a theme I love, which I think is underused in the movie, and frankly underused in this suite. This is like a two-minute suite that runs through the theme twice. It's, I wish there was more of it. And wrapping up with Solo... I had the Adventures of Han concert suite, which, like I mentioned, has really grown on me while revisiting. The mine mission from the heist sequence, one of the heist sequences, and the Marauders Arrive from the uh, second half of the train heist. I think the action music is really a highlight of Solo, and both of those pieces move through the themes in the film and really use them to great effect. I have Mind Mission at number one. I've talked about it ad nauseum. I love that march with the gang theme. And number two, I have Reminiscence Therapy. I think that track is a lot of fun. It's where Powell makes the transition from using almost exclusively original themes to using a lot more of the old Williams themes, but he puts his own spin on it, so it's really interesting. It's put together well. I like that track a lot, so I have that number two. And at number three, I have Marauders Arrive, because I really like that Infant's Nest theme. I mean, really, the quality of the solo score is the one reason why it actually is kind of a shame they're not going to make any more of those, even though they would probably have Darth Maul in them. Yeah, I would really love to hear more of those themes. Exactly. So now that we have our top three from each movie, what's your... Like, we've narrowed down the list to, what, 33 tracks. What's your favorite? Oh, jeez. Um, would it be too expected or typical if I once again pointed to the Empire credits? It's just so good. I disagree entirely. 
I would pick the New Hope credits. I thought you were going to say the Sail Barge Assault. I really did. I love the Sail Barge Assault more than life itself, but the Throne Room End title is just so, 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 so good. All of that music from New Hope is so, 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 so good. Thinking about all of these Star Wars scores that we've talked about, what have we learned? We've talked about so much incredible, incredible stuff. So much that not only has been part of our lives for a long time, obviously, but even some of the more recent ones that have come in right alongside the older scores. There's so much that I was kind of sleeping on that I was, wasn't paying attention to or had dismissed at some point or was taking for granted. There's so much great stuff that I wasn't acknowledging even though I've been listening to it for 40 years. Exactly. Well, (laughs) this has been a long journey. Thank you, dear listeners, who have come along on it with us. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? You keep asking me that. Yeah, I, I do. I am a social media maven. Therefore, I now have a MySpace account, which I'm trying to remember to post to now. Oh, really? What are you posting? Or do we have to go find out? Well, that's what we in in the social media maven business call a tease. Oh, are are, are you clickbaiting? Are you baiting clicks? I object to the use of that term. (gasps) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I hope I haven't offended you in your mavendom. Oh, well, to make it up to me, all of you can come and visit my MySpace page at myspace.com slash spectacularscott. And if you're not a social media maven, then you can also find me on Twitter at spectacularsco, because Twitter has a character limit on usernames. I am very much not a social media maven. I have no MySpace profile. I have no Zanga. My dead journal is long since defunct. What the fuck is a Zanga? It's a blog site that used to exist. I assure you it was real. It's spelled with an X if you want to look it up. You can find me on current social media platforms. On the Twitter and the Instagram or the archives of my Tumblr, I guess, if you really feel like it. At Bun. If you are a player of the Pokemon Go, I have become obsessed with this over the last several months, so if you would like to connect on there, reach out and let me know. The Spectacular will return. (laughs) I can assure you of that. We will have, of course, our Oscar show coming soon. We will have other shows as events warrant. Until then, we'll see you next time.
Let me tell you, I am ready to think about something other than Star Wars for a while. After all these shows, and after really not liking the movie, so... Don't count on that episode about The Mandalorian.